0: Good morning. Welcome to Screen Cleaning. It is Friday, November 2nd, and boy, have we got an amazing show for you. Each and every week on Screen Cleaning, we do our darndest to shine a big old spotlight on all that is good in entertainment. And to help us do that, we always enlist the help of not only myself, Jeff Simpson, but we've got Cole Wissinger. Hello. And we've got Mickey Randall. Hello. You both sounded very excited. It's a Friday. Of course, we're excited. You should be excited because what we have on the show today is we're going to be reviewing a couple of movies that are coming out today. We have a little bit of holdover from some of our October uh, Halloween shows. Hmm. And I'm not just talking about a segment that's coming up about screaming in movies. Maybe Ah. today could also be (laughs) called Scream Cleaning, I guess. But the, the highlight of the show really is we're going to be speaking with a gentleman who is in charge of playing the music at sports games here on the campus of Brigham Young University. It's very timely. We're right in the middle of football and basketball starting up. So do you feel like that person who has that job has an impact on the outcome of the game? Absolutely. Well, we're going to find out more about that on the program. And then, of course, we always like to end the show with our panning for good segment. And this is also kind of a holdover from our October shows because I'm going to be giving a review of something that we talked about, one of our spooky attractions that Mickey Randall featured very heavily in one of our episodes. So it's a packed show. It's a great show. And as always, we like to give you the very best in entertainment news The first little piece of news that we want to talk about is we want to uh, bring up Lance Bass. Now, when I say Lance Bass, as we usually do on this (laughs) program, you're the youngest person in the room. Mm -hmm. Do you know who Lance Bass is?
1: Okay. This is my is he from NSYNC.
0: Yes. Okay. That is go. correct. You had a 50-50 yeah. shot yeah, picking in the boy band. So Lance Bass uh was having a difficult time a couple months back when he realized that his bid on the old Brady Bunch house was not accepted and that he was outbid by an organization with, let's just say, deeper pockets. And a very specific reason for wanting this house. He lost out to none other than HGTV. Of course he did. Today we find out that HGTV plans on rounding up all of the actors who portrayed the Brady Bunch children on the show, The Brady Bunch. And they're going to have actors such as uh, Barry Williams, who played Greg Brady on the show. I don't know why I pointed to Rod Gustafson when I said that, but he's waiting to come on the (laughs) mic here in just a minute. They're going to round them up. And the Brady Bunch children are going to renovate the house to the point where I assume it's going to look just like the Brady Bunch home from the show that everybody knows and loves.
2: Or as close as a bunch of professional contractors will behind the scenes as we see the Brady Bunch <laughs> right. children. Right. Now, now let's take a quick to...
0: clip of, of, of Greg Brady holding a <laughs> hammer. Holding a hammer. A hammer. And, yeah.
2: And then we have professional contractors taking care of.
0: <laughs> I will say that the cast of The Brady Bunch is no stranger to reality TV. I'm, I'm, I know that a few of them have appeared in one or two or five reality shows. And Greg Brady for a while I know was in Bronson, Missouri performing The Brady Brunch. So this will be interesting. So at least they're still up to something is what we've learned from that. I think people will tune in for sure. Now, the other bit of news that I want to share is Sylvester Stallone is – he's very heavily featured on social media. He just tweeted out something that I felt was very intriguing. He tweeted out just for fun who would win in a fight – Rocky Balboa in his prime or Adonis Creed in his prime? Now, Adonis Creed is the son of Apollo Creed. And, uh, Cole, who do you think would win in a fight between the two? I'll take either Creed over Rocky. Really? For sure. Now, if you watch the films, then you know that you're – Wrong and you're right. Right. Rocky was one and one against Apollo,
2: but we never got to see him fight his son because he's old. But we remember in the first Rocky, he was... He was very much looked down upon in his first and second fights with Apollo because he was already past his prime. So Rocky didn't start getting his training and didn't become Rocky until he was already in his mid-30s, Okay, which for anyone that follows boxing knows that that is clearly past where they, you know, you're saying in their prime. Well, Rocky's prime of getting the training and becoming the Rocky we know today didn't happen until he was past his prime. Apollo Mm. was clearly the pound for pound heavyweight champion of the world before he even saw Rocky the first first time and he beat him then and then uh, you know we got a nice storybook ending when Rocky beat him the second time but
0: you do find out in part three that Mickey huh now her Mickey's eyes perked up when I said Mickey (laughs) Mickey Sylvester Stallone's manager uh, was basically giving him a bunch of easy fights right right but he does beat both Hulk Hogan and Mr. T in part three. And Mr. T was Clever Lang. I'm not sure if the Thunderlips fight
2: counts as a fight because that, that was, was an more of a promotional match. stunt. Right. You get a lot of clapping. And...
0: But I just love all the banter for Mr. T in part three. Shut up, old man. Yeah. I can't be beat and I won't be beat. Rocky...
2: Rocky is the hero of our franchise, but he's clearly not the best fighter when you look at the actual
0: fights in Hulk, the franchise. Paul Colgan had some good lines in that movie too. Thunder lips in the flesh, baby. Yes. Anyway, he Mickey, did. who would win in a fight between Rocky and Adonis Creed?
1: Um, I do. Not, I have only seen the first Rocky. <gasps> you do that every time. I'm like, I haven't seen Rocky what? before. and you guys are like, what the?
0: heck? But you know who Michael B. Jordan is. I do
1: know who Michael B. Jordan is. And this movie carries your namesake.
0: <laughs> this movie has your namesake in it.
1: Oh, I forget. I was named after the
0: Burgess guy Meredith.
1: From Rocky.
0: <laughs> yeah. Go home and ask your parents. Yeah. I guarantee you, they're going to say, "Of course."
1: They're like, Burgess we Meredith. Love, <laughs> we love Rocky.
0: At least they didn't call you the Penguin.
1: That's true. That wouldn't I'm be a very good name. that.
0: Because he was the penguin in the original Batman series. Mm. Anyway, I'm not going to the tell not you. The not Danny DeVito one. In keeping with part three, I'm not going to tell you who would win. Because if you'll recall correctly, spoiler alert, uh, Apollo Creed wins in the first one. Rocky Balboa wins in the second one. And in the third one, they have a little friendly, informal match as the credits are rolling. And just before they're about to hit each other... You get a freeze frame, roll to the credits. You never find out who won that fight.
2: Rocky III is one of the best rom-coms ever if you just take it between Rocky and Creed. rom Falling in love. <laughs> Interesting. And the moments on the beach. and
0: Okay. Well, um, Cole, uh, why don't you tell us your bit of news that you are excited for?
2: I want to keep talking about Rocky for a second. So, Michael B. <laughs> Jordan, Mickey might not know who adonis creed is the fighter but you definitely know michael b jordan and if you follow ellen DeGeneres's social medias you also have seen pictures of how uh in shape michael b jordan is for fighting as he gets ready for creed 2 he was the Mm -hmm.
0: temporary king of uh wakanda Wakanda. thank you wakanda forever (laughs) yeah i could remember the forever part of that i just couldn't remember the wakanda part which is kind of the key part So (laughs) Ellen DeGeneres had on um,
2: the gal that beat Serena Williams in tennis, Osaka, the Japanese tennis player. And they talked about how much Michael B. Jordan is attractive. And so Ellen tweeted a shirtless picture of Michael B. Jordan and Michael B. Jordan responded to that tweet with another shirtless picture of himself, like adding um, Osaka and saying, hey, if you want to come to the premiere um I'll save a seat next to me and he'll mm. be shirtless um well, as we can he sits only hope and so again if you've seen pictures of Michael B Jordan, <laughs> Jordan. and then pictures you know of old man Sylvester Stallone you know who's going to win that fight
0: so you know you bring a, this brings up an interesting thing because rock the movie Rocky Balboa is basically this hypothetical who would win such and such a boxer in the movie ESPN, or, like does right. their math things so Maybe he's putting in a plug for Rocky Balboa, which I would think is the least – not the least of them, but certainly the least watched of them. The second to least of them, Anyway. All right. So tell us about your piece of exciting news.
2: I guess – I mean it's not exciting when you compare it to – I love talking about Rocky. But uh, this week, before we get to talk to you next time, uh, this Tuesday will be Stranger Things Day. Because it's election day? Because obviously it is election. No, they have no rhyme or reason for it, it seems. And they're not announcing a third season or when we're going to get that. And they didn't give us a new trailer. They just put together a bunch of people's Halloween costumes into a YouTube video and said, hey, it's it's
0: hashtag Stranger Things Day. So they're boosting ratings, trying to get people excited for season three,
2: which we still will happen at some time in 2019.
0: But Carrie Elwes will be in it. That will, will only make it better. I'm Rudy sure. Was in, Rudy was in season two. Now you've got Wesley from The Princess Bride in season three.
2: They're embracing their 80s heritage that they're trying to pull from. I'm just so disappointed that they would come up with this huge thing just to not announce anything.
0: Okay. Well, when season, when season three of Stranger Things comes out... We are going to do a segment on what 80s icon we want to see in season four of Stranger Things. Sounds good. Okay. Well, speaking of the 80s, I was going to say speaking of (laughs) 80s icons, but yours made more sense. Uh, We've got Rod Gustafson, (laughs) who is the producer of the Lisa Clark or Lisa Valentine Clark morning show. Don't forget the Valentine. That's the heart of the show. (laughs) Uh, Dad joke. Sorry. uh, Man. Thank you. You're on a roll. We should have you back more, but we've got you here today because there are two big movies that are coming out today, one of which you saw, Mm -hmm. one of which I saw, and we would like you to share your review of the film – that has Bo- the 80s icons in yeah, it. Yeah, Bohemian
3: Rhapsody. Okay, guys, so here's how old I was. When my buddy in high school was listening to Queen, he had Night at the Opera, you know, the famous LP, the LP mm-hmm. record, Round Black Thing. Thank you for translating, by it the way. It wasn't even that. It was on Real to Real. Real to real, if you can for believe reals? it. For real, yeah. yeah, for real. Okay, yes, thank you. <laughs> okay, enough dad jokes. We're done. So, <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody. This is well, it's a movie about a band named Queen. And if you have seen movies about bands and famous artists, you know what to expect. There's a template that often the blanks get <laughs> filled in, and that's essentially what happens in this film. This is much more about. Queen than it is about their lead singer, Freddie Mercury, although th- that certainly plays a prominent part of this. Now, I'll, I'll say, first of all, the music sequences are the part that's worth the price of admission if you're going to I go bet. see this movie. It is. Um, in fact, the, the Live Egg concert, the Queen wound up playing in, and I didn't realize this until I watched the movie because I must admit I was not a diehard Queen fan. <gasps> I liked it. I like their music, but I can't say that you know I knew everything about them. But they were very last minute into Live Aid because of all the little quarrels and stuff that were going on within the band. But that bookends this movie. There's a little scene at the beginning, and then there's a whopping 15, 20 minutes where they play their songs at Live Aid at the end. Done very, very well. So that part of it and many other scenes within the movie are quite good. Um, Music scenes within the movie. I mean— It's a lot like uh, Love and Mercy we were talking about earlier, Well, where we watched how the Beach Boys made all those cool sounds. Well, in this film, we watch how Queen made all those cool sounds and, you know, how they came up with the idea of we will rock you and the idea of audience participation and all of this. All of that's in the film, and it's really interesting, and that really kept my attention. Unfortunately, when we go back into the story of Freddie Mercury and all the little squabbles and quarrels and everything else, not so much.
0: Interesting. Yeah. So, wow. It sounds like we need to get you a Queen care package and get you on board with this, Rod. You we heard, heard
3: it here first. Rod Gusterson hates Queen. Well, no, hate is strong. <laughs> no, in fact, I I said to my wife when we left the movie last night, well, I got to start a Queen playlist on Spotify and start listening to them again because— It's the type of movie where it's done well enough that, you know, you do, you start thinking, gee, I need to go back and revisit Queen because the music was so much fun. Part of the issue with this film, first of all, they had to offset quarrels, too. There was a director problem. And you can kind of tell when you, when you watch a movie and you're thinking, okay, the, the, the little Lego blocks just aren't fitting together very well. And there was there was an issue with the director that dropped out partway through the project. They brought in another guy to finish off the project. So that's one of the issues. The other issue is you, at the end of the day, you don't feel – and I've said this over and over. If you don't feel empathy for your protagonist, you've got a problem mm. with your movie – I don't feel a whole lot of empathy for Freddie Mercury after watching this movie. Oh, He's, no. He just seems like a narcissistic kind of immature dealing with all of these issues in his life. And, um, mm. and, you know, again, that could be a direction thing, an interpretation thing. Believe it or not, I never met Freddie Mercury, so I really can't say. But based on this movie, you know, unlike, uh, for instance, Joaquin Phoenix playing yeah. Johnny Cash, And I don't really like Johnny Cash. Never, I like Queen's music better than Johnny Cash's music. But at the end of that movie, I felt for Johnny Cash that the empathy was there in spades. It's not there in this one.
0: So it's inverted. Your feelings are inverted, whereas you love... Uh, Freddie Mercury's music—you mm-hmm. don't necessarily mm-hmm. care for him, but the opposite is true for Walk the Line. Uh,
3: yeah, well, and that's mm. that's how the movie left me feeling, at mm. least. Yeah, certainly. So,
0: well, I've got something to cheer you up because right. I also went to the movies and I saw the Nutcracker and the Four Realms. Do, 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 do. So I want it, to, yeah. Obviously, set the there's stage a lot of music here. in that movie too. Right. I would assume, yeah. I want to set the stage here for you. It's November which means that all the movie studios are going to start rolling out with their Christmas movies, trying to get another crack at establishing the next Christmas movie classic. Ooh. The dysfunctional
3: family Christmas movie, I'm sure, is on its way. But right. anyhow, go ahead.
0: But And if they can't get the next movie uh, Christmas movie classic, then they're at the very least interested in just getting a quick and easy cash grab by making these remakes of already established Christmas movie classics. Now, I I realize that may be a very cynical or grinchy viewpoint, and you'll notice I use the word Grinch because that's another remake that's coming out next week. But I honestly have not seen a Christmas movie classic released since 2003 when the film Elf came out, starring Will Ferrell. So watching this film was kind of like unwrapping a knickknack. I didn't ask for it. I wasn't expecting it. But it's good enough to keep you amused until something else better comes Mm. along. All right. So the the Nutcracker centers on young Clara Stahlbaum, whose mother has just recently passed away. And she chooses to cope with it by heading to the attic and engaging her imagination. She thinks this is preferable than dealing with it in her father's way, which involves living up to others expectations by making an appearance at a Christmas Eve party, and so she kind of goes begrudgingly, and the silver lining in the evening comes in the form of a gift from her godfather Drosselmeyer. Morgan Freeman portrays him, and he's kind of wasted here, or drossed, if you will, in the role, and the gift is a pathway— To an elusive key, which will unlock another gift given to her by her dearly departed mom. And this pathway leads her through the magical Christmas tree land and introduces her to a myriad of characters whose behavior is either wooden, as in the case of Jaden Faora Knight as the Nutcracker and Richard E. Grant as the Snow Realm King, quirky as in the case of Kira Knightley as the sugar plum fairy who is sporting a uh, a big uh cotton candy set of hair and or even confounding and you can correct me on the pronunciation of this name, Eugenio Derbez? How do you Derbe, Derbe, He's the flower realm king and his behavior is just Bizarre.
3: Uh, My question is, is this game available on iOS and Android devices? (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like like a video game.
0: (laughs) So these are the three realm rulers and they give her a quick history lesson in the form of ballet, which is very fitting. And they enlist her help. As it turns out, the same key that Clara is seeking will also restore balance to their world, which has been upended by Mother Ginger. Helen Mirren, the other uh, acting veteran who seems out of place in this Mm -hmm. film, the ruler of the fourth unspeakable realm of amusements. Now, that's the gist of the story. And speaking of the story, I imagine that critics and fans of the Nutcracker are going to take issue with the fact that this film's plot deviates quite heavily from the source material, which to (sighs) me is okay because – the story of The Nutcracker has always been my least favorite part of mm-hmm. The Nutcracker. Yeah. And I don't think I'm alone on that. I, I feel So I feel like the story here is a bit of an upgrade. Um, obviously, the star of the film and of any iteration of The Nutcracker has always been Tchaikovsky's score and e- even the ballet that accompanies it. But luckily, we get a healthy dose of each of these in some of these key scenes, like I mentioned, the the history lesson via the ballet, and then during the credits, you get some really quite uh, incredible ballet sequences. Um, I was wondering, so there is dancing, yeah, absolutely
3: integral to this movie, and
0: thankfully they give us a break from some of the overwhelming and unnecessary CGI scenes Mm -hmm. that appear throughout the movie, Um, and it helps remind us why this has why this story has endured for over a century now. Hmm. Highest marks should be awarded to Mackenzie Foy, who plays Clara. She is one of the actors that tricked me into thinking that she was British. She is not, but she is a fantastic actress, as well as the production design, which is at its best when it's grounded in the human realm and I wouldn't be surprised if it's nominated for an Academy Award for production design and may, and probably costume design as well. Now, is The Nutcracker in the Four Realms the next Christmas classic? Probably not. But at the very least, it had the rare distinction of seeming shorter than it actually was, which is very <laughs> rare these days for me. It didn't necessarily leave me wanting more, but... It also didn't outstay its welcome. Hmm, Very nice. So there's my kind of mixed review for The Nutcracker and The Four Realms.
3: And I should mention Bohemian Rhapsody is rated PG-13 for about every category that they have for PG-13. So parents, be wise, be careful.
0: Nutcracker is PG. This film, if you thought the clown in the movie It was scary, I would venture to say that there are four clowns in this film that are – Far creepier than the clown in the movie It. Mm. So I, really? was, I was really freaked out. Yeah. So beware, parents, if your kids are scared of creepy clowns, mm. as most of them tend to be these days. Or if you're the one scared of the creepy clowns, Jeff. Mm. I, I, was, I, wanted, I was trying to make kids out there who are scared of clowns feel better. Right. I wasn't, you know, up at night well, terrified of the clowns or anything, but they did have an impact on me. Did they make you scream? <gasps> I love that segue, Cole, because one thing that I did notice when I was watching The Nutcracker in The Four Realms is there is a very familiar scream featured in this film as well as many other films. Whoa. And we, that's a good impression, we set out Mickey Randall to give us a little more information on this very familiar scream.
1: Okay, you've probably heard this sound before. I know, you just heard that, and you're thinking, where have I heard that before? The answer is probably everywhere. It's actually a stock sound effect called the Wilhelm scream that tons of filmmakers use is kind of a running joke. So, the first movie to ever use it was called Distant Drums in 1951. And in this movie, a bunch of soldiers are walking through the Everglades, and all of a sudden one gets attacked by an alligator, and then... Most historians believe that The Scream was actually voiced by actor Sheb Woodley, but it was actually used repeatedly in movies like The Charge at Feather River in 1953. Now, The Charge at Feather River was a Western in which a character named Wilhelm gets shot in the leg by an arrow and makes this noise. (laughs) So after The Charge at Feather River, The Wilhelm Scream sits in the Warner Brothers stock sound effect library for a while until sound designer Ben Burt picks it up and uses it in a little film you might have heard of called Star Wars. Ben also gives it its official name, The Wilhelm Scream, attributing it to this character from The Charge at Feather River, and therefore cements the scream in pop culture history. Both George Lucas and Steven Spielberg like to use The Scream, and you can find it in a number of Star Wars and Indiana Jones films. And they are not the only ones. Listen carefully when you're watching movies like Poltergeist, Aladdin, Toy Story, Men in Black, Titanic, Pirates of the Caribbean, Lord of the Rings, The Sandlot, Juno, Avatar, Captain America, The Hunger Games, and so many more. Seriously, that's just the beginning of the list. So, yes, the Wilhelm scream is a pretty popular sound effect. And now you know where it came from. So just remember to be careful in the Everglades, or else you just might find yourself saying...
0: Ooh, good song. One that you might hear at a uh, football stadium or a baseball stadium, which is interesting because our next guest happens to know something about that. Everyone knows that without music, the world would be flat. Get that? So, what would a college or professional sports game look like without music? Here to speak with us today is Brian Lake. Brian or Bryce? It's Bryce. I see Bryce and Brian. I called you Bryce when you came in. So, you're the marketing coordinator for BYU football, and you're the guy that gets to pick and play all the music at the BYU football games. Welcome to Screen Cleaning, first of all.
4: Well, thank you for having me. It's great to be here.
0: So you said you've been doing this for how long again?
4: Uh, full-time, almost full four years. So I did a little volunteer work in my undergrad here at BYU, but... Uh, Yeah, four years full
0: time. So, so I'm super excited to talk to you, and this just sounds like the coolest job in the world. I'm sure there be there are plenty of people out there that would love to have this job. Yes, I get that
4: often. (laughs) So,
0: obviously, there was a time, you know, at sporting events when music was not an element of the game, right? Like way back when. And over the years, obviously, it's it's. uh, played a bigger part in that. What exactly what role does music play in sports?
4: You know, it's interesting that you bring that up. I think actually the New York Knicks this year uh a few games back tried to do a game without any music. That's right. Or yeah, in the yeah. Half. and even the players and everybody was commenting how weird it was <laughs> and how odd it felt. Um so back to your question, I mean, music plays a huge role. Um it's probably day to day Probably a smaller portion of what I do, the smallest, yeah. but has a huge impact, right? A lasting impact. So there's a lot of pressure, especially here at BYU, to choose music that will drive emotion yeah. and be appropriate, quote-unquote, <laughs> right? So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a big deal. Big
0: deal. Okay, so – how do you choose the type of music that gets played at these football games and baseball games? How does that uh, how do you make those decisions?
4: Yeah, so it's uh it's an ongoing process. I I guess it's I mean, it's weekly. We usually get some suggestions from the players, right, which we can usually play one or two of their <laughs> oh, list, yeah. right? Um but we're we're always scouring the top charts, the best classical rock Selection from the 80s, the top country hits. I mean, we're always going through um, the new music, the new artists, and uh, then we just pull them up on YouTube and and start listening. And it's pretty clear in the first couple of seconds if we're not going to be (laughs) able to use a particular song um, or if we need to take a closer look at it, or if, you know, there's some songs that are just we'll play every game all the time. Yeah. You know, a la sweet Caroline or whatever. So. Oh yeah. yeah. It
0: seems like a really tough job because you know, there are babies coming to these games and there are senior citizens coming to yeah. this game, to these games and everybody in between. So are you shooting for a, a particular demographic? Cause I know it's virtually impossible to please everybody.
4: It, it is. Um, and, and we we get our share of complaints um <laughs> but you know we we have to find a balance and and i think more particular than playing one song that's going to please everybody we need to play a variety of songs that throughout throughout the game or the event somebody's going to find something to relate with and and you know uh, have a good emotional attachment to. So sometimes we have to play some hip hop beats for the players, right? Get them to make a, a, a tackle or after a big dunk. Uh, but then we can scale it back and you know play some classic rock or you know something for the family for the kids. And and I think it's unique here at BYU. Like you said, we have three month olds coming, you know, with their little headphones on, <laughs> up to up to people who have been here for years and years and And pleasing everybody with one song or one genre of music, it's rough. It's tough. Yeah. So So
0: there are times when you're more focused on the players and other times you're more focused on the fans.
4: Yes. Although we err on the side of the fans, right?
0: Right. Um, Yeah. We
4: we err on the side of our customer, our client. and, And we realize that they're paying and looking for a family environment at these events, at these games. And so we try to provide a good experience for them. Um, so we we err on that side and and try to keep them happy and 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 moving right along. So
0: let me ask you your opinion on this. How much how much of a, a role do you think the audience plays in the success of a team? In other words, you know, let's say they're down. I'm gonna. I'll, in a minute here. I'm gonna give you a few different scenarios. But uh, let's say they're down and. It, it, is it possible for the audience to basically resuscitate the team with their cheering?
4: Yes, I, I mean you're asking, you know, uh, <laughs> a very opinionated guy yeah. in this in this market, but absolutely. Um, and in talking with players and coaches alike, they feed off of that energy at, at home, especially, um, and they can feel it. and And I think it has a great impact on on the performance of a team when they feel that you know sixty thousand plus fans are behind them and and really cheering for them and so take the taking that one step further anything we can do from a production standpoint to maintain that emotion in the stadium or elevate it or i don't, I don't want to say manipulate it but that's, that's sure. essentially what we yeah. do with with the music and the song choice that we select is we can play with the emotions of the crowd a little bit to hopefully keep our team yeah. on their toes. So
0: Okay, let me give you a few different scenarios here and you answer me with a, an example of a song that you might play in this scenario, okay? okay? So let's say um let's say the the BYU Cougars are down and there's, you know, maybe 3 minutes left in the fourth quarter and they're down by a couple of touchdowns. What is the type of a, of song that you would play in that scenario?
4: Well, I can tell you what I wouldn't play. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, in that type of scenario, and I guess it, a lot of it has to do, do with the flow of the game, right? Sure, yeah. If we've been down three touchdowns all game and we're not playing well and it's not on our – it's just – it's not looking Probably good. Probably not going to happen, yeah. You know, at that point, I'm just going to play a song – that will keep the fans there having a good time. So I'll probably play an old, an older school song that'll get them up to dance. You know, maybe a jump around, maybe a
0: oh good song. You
4: know, or something where they can put their arm around the person next to them and and sing a little bit, like Brown Eyed Girl. Or, yeah, you know, just yeah. something to keep keep the mood light. If we've been down by six touchdowns and we're making a big comeback.
0: Ooh, this was going to be my next question. See, the momentum, so it's, yeah.
4: It's the momentum, and so you have to play. To you have to play to the game, um and so you'd probably pick something a little bit more um you know inspiring or or moving or something that'll if we 're on defense and it's going to get people up and loud and engaged and yeah, and so you kind of have to feel out the game um also knowing that it can change in in any second. Sure, right? yeah. So you've got to have you've got to we have a music cue. So man, if if an interception happens right here and we score a touchdown and now it's close. Here's here's my three or four songs that I'm. Gonna yeah,
0: play to. So, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Now my next one is: Do you have any type of opposition music? What I mean by that, like if you're at a baseball stadium and a, a coach on the opposing team comes out to converse with his pitcher, absolutely. Usually it'll be like you know, dun, 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 yeah, Darth Vader. You know. So what what's what type of opposition music do you have? And when is it appropriate to play that?
4: Yes. So. We we absolutely do, um, and that's part of the gamesmanship. Um, we certainly so. One of my coworkers actually oversees the baseball side of things, but man, he has any time a pitcher is changed or there's a, a meeting at the plate or whatever. You know, he has bye-bye-bye from NSYNC or, you know, Happy Trails awesome. or, or whatever it is. Or, man, if the coach just keeps coming out to talk to the umps or the the referees, you know, we can play the Jeopardy song or, you know, yeah. there, there's certain things like that. Um, in a football, basketball game, you know, we're supposed to play music behind the opposing team intros or whatever. But, we, yeah. always, uh, you know, this last season we did a lot of 90s sitcom themes. So I played like... <laughs> like or even older i played like matlock or the simpsons like theme song behind the opposing team so yeah there's music but it's kind of weird makes the fans chuckle a little bit and then i transition into our team and so
0: that's awesome there's
4: some gamesmanship there we you know you can't play it all the time we we, well
0: that's in good humor too
4: yeah absolutely when when anybody's injured or there's a a timeout for that type of thing we we stay away from playing music yeah let things play out.
0: Interesting. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So, you know, obviously a lot of the music that you play gets people up and dancing and, and excited. Now, as far as the players go, are there any players that just are super good dancers or that really get into the music that you do play?
4: Yes, absolutely. Um, one of them we just, we just lost. He just graduated. Jamal Williams. Oh. Right? J-Swag Daddy. Um, he loved to dance and would dance to anything and everything (laughs) um and oftentimes in the week you know i'd run into him at the student athlete building or out of practice or whatever and you know he'd say hey think you could play this song or you know try this out and and a lot of players you know know who the music guy is right and so they they always shoot emails or texts and hey you know we really like this song and most of the time, I'm not going to probably play it. Yeah, but, but there are a few yeah. that, are, that are great and, and awesome, and they dance to it, and, and it's fun to see them interact with, with yeah. part of the game. So.
0: so before we take a break, and then we'll we'll come back and do another segment here with you, I know uh, Palakiko was saying that you're really into movies, too, and I'm just curious to know what are your favorite sports movies, or in what movies have they played the best sports music?
4: Man, you know, favorite sports movies right away is remember the titans I mean, mm, just an mm-hmm. instant classic um i also loved uh the rookie that's a great sports movie um but a lot of the music that we actually use in sporting events doesn't come from sports movies really yeah we use a lot of uh cinematic trailer high action high pace yes. intensity so uh, stuff from transformers movies <laughs> or like the born movies right yeah yeah um it's, it's music that, that plays with your emotions and gets you, uh, exci- it gets you to feel a certain way, excited or, or intense. Yeah. And so we use a lot of that, actually.
0: And then really quickly, what is the one song that every time you're, – you're always looking for an opportunity to play this song because you just love playing it at the stadium.
4: Well, you know, there's two. One okay. is Power by Kanye West. Oh, we usually I, play the instrumental, and that's when the student section links arms. They sway back and forth. Yeah, they kind of hum along to it.
0: I thought you were talking about "I've Got
4: the Power." Yeah, right. Yeah, that that would work too. <laughs> and then the one I always look forward to playing is "All I Do Is Win," um, because that usually means we're going to win, and so that that's always a good one to play.
0: Well, I can already tell this next segment is going to be very interesting, no and uh, <laughs> we're going to play a little game. And fair warning. I am going to lose. Um, (laughs) We're going to play Name That Tune, but we're going to give you a little bit of a, a unique twist on it, which we will explain when we return. We're speaking with Bryce Lake here on Screen Cleaning. Oh, okay, now I get it. See, you would have won because you probably knew what that was before.
4: You know, it took a minute. It did. It
0: took yeah. A minute. So I uh welcome back to Screen Cleaning. I'm sitting here with Bryce Lake, who's the guy that uh he's in the the marketing department at BYU or the marketing athletic athletic, athletic department. department. Yeah, yeah. Yes. But uh, he one of his responsibilities is to select the songs that uh, are played at the BYU football games, the BYU women's softball games and then also men's the basketball. the men's basketball. Yeah. yeah, and so we've had a good time talking about uh his job here on the show. Now we thought we'd continue the fun with a little game that is familiar to everyone, which is Name That Tune, but we're going to put a little unique twist on it. I I mentioned during the break that my favorite team is the Los Angeles Dodgers. You
2: mention it a lot, Jeff.
0: (laughs) Really? Oh, okay. Well, I'll probably mention it more. Uh, There's a sweet old lady at Dodger Stadium that plays all these popular songs on the organ And uh, it always makes you laugh and think, like, is she really playing, you know, Happy by Pharrell Pharrell Williams? And I didn't know anybody would play that on an organ. So we're going to play Name That Tune, Organ Edition. And, Cole, you're going to explain how this is going to go down.
2: Yep, we're just going to take some turns. Um, We're going to start with Jeff and ease him in slow. And then I'll give each of you a chance to guess some music you might not normally hear on that baseball-style, sports-style
0: organ music. Okay, is there a steal? Like if I don't know it and, and Bryce does know it, does he get to steal it? Absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. See, now yeah. you're
4: putting the pressure on it. <laughs> and,
0: this is the
2: hot seat now. And I'll be keeping track of scores.
0: <sighs> so we will okay. know at the end.
2: All right. So All right, like I said, I'm going to easy and slow, Jeff. Okay. You're going to go first. And then, How much
0: time do I have on each um, one? Like, I've...
2: There are about 30 seconds of music. Okay.
0: I think you should cut me off after like 10 or 12 oh, I seconds. Will. Okay, yeah. cool. All right, let's do this. All right, first song.
2: Should be familiar.
0: Charge.
4: Exactly. Very good. I don't know any other Very name for easy. it, but Charge. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the Charge song, yeah. Okay.
4: Cool. That was easy. I hope I get as easy of a song selection.
0: No, only the, the most difficult songs for our guests. Well, I
2: I mean I have to be fair, I have to give him an easy one as well. All so right. this is gonna right. be a crowd favorite.
4: This is sweet Caroline. Mm-hmm. You you just mentioned that I on the show earlier, it. yeah. It sounds different on the organ. It but... sure does. Okay. I like that.
0: <laughs>
2: Alright. Okay. So now we're getting into now we're getting into the real music, right?
0: Alright. <gasps> yes. Uh, what is still, the name of still, it? Still, still, oh, <laughs> da, 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 you and me, and me and you. Da, da, oh, there you go. So happy Five together. Four, so happy damn. together. All right, yes. there you got go. It. I, that got was it. that was on my mixed tapes growing up. I love that song.
4: Okay, we're we're a little old school right now. That's mm-hmm, good. All right, mm-hmm. I've got to dig into the archives. See, here.
0: Once he gets to the to the current stuff, the game is yours. So, <laughs> just so you know.
2: All right, coming up next.
4: Yes! I know what it is. Oh my god. I, I recognize. Wait for team. it. Palakiko
0: knows it. Steel, come on!
4: There you go. Alright. Alright, right there. Man. Woo-hoo. See, it takes me to a chorus. That's. Yeah, so it's
0: hard until you get to that chorus. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. What have you got next? Okay, so we started off the show talking about a little, some musical movies. Yes. And so that'll yes. be the
2: theme of our next
0: two. Okay. Okay, okay. Fiddler on the Roof uh, If I Were a Rich Man hmm Okay. I wow. a little bit of an unfair advantage. I played Tevya in high school okay, in Philadelphia. So this so. is in your blood. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I've never heard that on the organ though. That is so funny. And there's wow.
2: the part that everyone recognizes. Yes. The
0: yes. Okay. Oh, thank you for putting that there on. Is. That takes me back. <laughs> <laughs> All
2: right. Another
0: movie.
4: Okay. What? I have no idea. Hold on, let's get to a. There's the title right there. Right there? Hmm. The dee
2: dee 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 dee.
4: This is Man, tough. You've really got me on this one. I don't know what it but is either. I had either. to find one to stump you guys. What is it?
2: So this is from maybe like the. Fourth or fifth or sixth best song from the movie, but it's she's like the wind from Dirty Dancing. What? You know what? I Swayze. have
0: never oh.
4: seen that movie. Uh, so I that's... would
0: get in trouble if oh. I admitted that I have never seen that movie either. But between you and me, nose tap. There you go. Oh, I'm hurt. Neither one. Of <laughs> sorry, you... sorry, Cole. It's
2: a classic. Okay, so I have I have a couple
0: more. Okay, let's hear them. Man, that was tough. That was tough. Star Wars. This is uh yes, Star Wars. But where? Do I have to choose an episode? Uh This is at the the end when they're giving out the awards. Mhm. Yeah. yeah. The awards, the the medals of honor, I guess. There you go. Yeah.
2: I like this because at first it kind of sounds like a wedding march. It does, especially played <laughs> on the organ and
0: all. I guarantee you, there have been some Star Wars fans out there who have played this at their wedding.
4: As they walk I down guarantee now. you. I, yeah, I would not be surprised. I would not. If you've be got surprised, like
0: Star Wars themed living rooms, you probably had a Star Wars wedding too. <laughs> Is
4: that a thing? <laughs> I Star think Wars-themed so.
0: Rooms? I know. There, I heard of, of a dentist one time that had like a Batman themed dentist office. Okay, like it was the Bat Cave. Right. Yeah. Hmm. I That's mean, all I'm going to say about kids.
2: That. Kids are afraid of the dentist. So we got one, one last one from a movie for you. See okay. if you can redeem yourself from Dirty Dancing. Oh boy,
4: I hope I've seen
0: it. I forgive you for not knowing Dirty Dancing.
2: <laughs> is this a horror movie? It sounds like it with organ, huh? Yes.
4: Yes. This is- yes. yes. I have no idea. I've Hold stumped like, the guest. Give me give me a Bare necessities of oh, right the recipes. <laughs> Jungle Book. Right? Oh my goodness. I loved that movie growing up.
0: At first though, I thought it was like a creepy clown it movie. It did. It sounded very
4: creepy. <laughs>
0: wow. Okay, do we have a couple more? I can do one more. Let's do let's do one more. I think we have time for that. Okay. And this, let's just say this is a, a fastest buzzer all. question. Whoever yeah. gets it first.
4: All you. It's all you.
0: The Entertainer? No. Is it The Entertainer? The Entertainer. Wow! Heavens. See you. Oh, look you. At that. I lucked out because Cole didn't play anything that's like current right now, which would have killed me completely. There you Stopped go. Stopped me in my tracks. I'm not
4: playing much of the Entertainer at a at a sporting event. Though You're it shocked. is a great song. Yeah. <laughs> I probably wouldn't <laughs> opt to
0: play this. To be fair, I don't know how much current music. Is being played on the organ. I think you played one or two of them at the beginning. What was one of them? I mean, she had a bad day. No, oh, had yeah, a bad sounds day. Sounds a little. But off even that on the is organ. like what, fifteen years old or yeah, so. Yeah, it's it's a good yeah. seven,
4: eight years old. So but that uh. was fun. That was that was challenging. I've got to go brush <laughs> up a little bit.
0: Okay, so uh, just some ideas for what you could play. at the BYU. Yeah, Thank you. But probably not going to be hearing them at the BYU Cougars games anytime soon, though. Yeah. But yeah, I think you have to go to Dodger Stadium to hear all those good ones. <laughs> but uh, Bryce, we really enjoyed having you on the show. We'll have to have you back again sometime when we talk, you know, more about like soundtracks and movies, and we we're going to be talking a lot about movies and music and you know, comedy and TV shows awesome. on the I'd, show. I'd be glad to come. So back. Uh, yeah, thanks for your time, and man, take this time to brush up on your show tunes, yeah. hey, which you, you may never play <laughs> at the stadium, but that's okay. Okay, thanks again, Bryce. Cole, what is a song that you simply have got to hear at a stadium when you oh, go to a sports event?
2: I already picked it. I made sure it was in the game. It's "Sweet Caroline."
0: Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, Cole, please don't bring up that song. Why, Jeff? Well, we'll we'll talk about it more when we come back from break. But that kind of brings up a very sensitive subject. And we'll talk all about it when we return on Screen Cleaning. Gee, I wish that music would uh, actually cheer me up like it normally does. But Cole's about to drop a bomb on me. The World Series just ended. And the team that Jeff's roots
2: for did not come out victorious. I
0: did tell my dad, though, I said, you know, as long as they don't get swept, I think I'll be okay. And they didn't. And they didn't get swept. And but you're just okay. barely. Yeah, well, they, they were this close to being swept. I mean, I knew when you have to go to 18 innings to win one game, you're not going to win the World Series. But it was such—I mean, they get to
2: go in the record books, though, for that one game that they did get.
0: They were the winner of the longest postseason game in the history of Major League Baseball.
2: Length and inning-wise and on my last nerve-wise, trying to watch it.
0: I did stay up. That's good for you. I I missed basically the first— Game because it was basically two games. I missed the first game and caught the second game and stayed Tuned up in in
2: time for extra innings right. and didn't know what you were getting yourself into. So, baseball did just end. The NBA and NHL are just getting going and the NFL is in full swing. So, that's why we wanted to bring this stadium music topic to the show today because screen cleaning talks about anything that you can see on a screen and that includes sports. And there in the month of October and here in the beginning of November is the best, well, maybe second best sports month of all time. And it's, the best
0: being October?
2: The best would be actually April. The month of April has the NBA and NHL playoffs getting going. Baseball comes back. The NFL draft happens, which is the next closest thing to watching an NFL game. The Masters are on, et cetera. Wow. That's a good point, Cole. It's a lot of sports in one month. There are a lot of sports. If you're a NASCAR kind of person, October is also your month because the chase for the cup is getting going. So speak comfort to me, Cole. There's a lot of other sports you could watch now that baseball's done.
0: Okay. (laughs) Uh, Now I want to cheer you up a little, Cole. Because
2: October is over and it makes me
0: sad for a
2: non-sportsy reason as well. No
0: more horror movies. Yeah. So – in case you're going through some withdrawals, I wanted to give you one last taste of Halloween here. Thanks. By sharing with you, this is from an article by Rotten Tomatoes, 31 ways to survive a horror movie according to the movies. Oh. Now, there are 31. I won't give you all of them. But first and foremost, you want to service your car. The car in these movies always runs out of gas, which is another one on the list, or it breaks down at the worst possible moment. Or it
2: just won't start for you. Or you've you've misplaced (laughs) your key.
0: (laughs) You don't have the key when you need it. Or if you do have the key, you've all of a sudden forgotten how to insert it in the lock of the car so you can't even get in the car.
2: It's true. Remembering where your ignition actually is is
0: important. Don't investigate strange noises. Oh, never. Yeah. If there's a strange noise, I'm out of there. I'm out of there. It's
2: usually in the basement of your own home, especially. And so just
0: stay upstairs. It's fine. Stay away from clowns, especially the ones you see in the Nutcracker and the Four Realms, because they are creepy. Always dispose of waste responsibly. I think this makes reference to like Government stuff that you know isn't disposed Radioactive of properly. Kind of waste. Right. If yeah. you have
2: any of that in your backyard, make sure not to just
0: you know bury it and ignore it. This is a big one. Stay away from barns, basements, and attics. Like, why does everybody always feel the need to go investigating? You know, because they oh, hear strange noises. Yeah, stay away from both. It's a big no-no. Never stop to help strangers. Aw, I love the Poor cynical strangers. approach that they're taking here. Avoid cornfields at all costs, and children that are in those corns. Yes, <laughs> children and corn should never be in the same sentence. Right. If they are, run. Keep your cell phone charged always. Obviously, uh, we already talked. And about stay that one. where you can
2: get service as well. It's always it's always a fun trick when the horror movie specifically says early on, "Oh." We just so happen to not have service in this part of right. urban America where everything has service.
0: I love this one, and it's so true. If you don't understand it, don't read it out loud. Latin. What is this? Normally. Latin? I'll just read it out loud. It always leads to trouble. Mm. Don't do it. Don't trust kids, especially in cornfields, like <laughs> we said. Stick together. Always. Or split up if you want to cover more ground. No. If you want to get picked off faster, you split up. Glamp, don't camp. That's another great one. So just stick to hotels instead of tents. Crazy people are the sanest people. Listen to them.
2: That old wily guy at the gas station telling you that a bunch of kids just like you went out to the camp – Um, He knows what he's talking about.
0: Right. And then I think we mostly learned this from Psycho or originally we learned it from Psycho. Don't take a shower? Don't bathe alone. Oh. Yeah. Don't do it. But, you know, we don't want to talk about the alternative to that either. So anyway, 31 ways to To survive survive a a horror movie according to the movies. Sounds valid. Yeah. Well, Cole, and I'll, actually I take it back, there's a little more of a taste of Halloween that I want to share with you, and it's in the form of a review, and it's going to be our Panning for Good segment today. There's good in them hills. <laughs> a couple weeks back, we did an episode on scary attractions or Halloween attractions, right? And there were three parts of that. There was something for the kids... A little pumpkin patch. A pumpkin patch. The the other thing was a, a haunted house. For the older kids. Right. But the third option was suspense. Theater. For everyone. You brought up a good point. I know we talk a lot about movies on the show, but we also talk about other forms of entertainment. We talk about sports. We talk about TV. We talk about movies. And in this case, we're going to talk about the theater, which is kind of America's, or not even America's, it's kind of the world's original TV or movie, if you will, acted out on the stage. And the play that I went to go see. Mickey did an excellent segment on. It's the play that is being performed right now at Brigham Young University, and it's called The Mousetrap. If you're not familiar with the name The Mousetrap, you might know it as Three Blind Mice. It was originally written by Agatha Christie as a, a radio drama, if I'm not mistaken, and it turned out to be a play, a very popular play at that And you can see it at Brigham Young University. If you can't make your way to Provo, Utah, you should definitely look up The Mousetrap. You could probably find it on video somewhere. It's basically, it's just like any other Agatha Christie story. It involves a murder mystery and you're spending the entire time trying to guess who done it. And in this story, you have this newlywed couple that has decided we are going to start an inn. We're going to open up this hotel, and we don't really know anything about the business, but we're just going to go for it. So they open their doors, and they start inviting into their home the oddest cast of characters that you can imagine— You have somebody that basically says everything that's in his head. You have another woman that also says everything that's in her head, but not in a good way. You have this foreigner who is very mysterious, and he just looks like he's up to no good. You have this retired army sergeant, and they all come together in this home. And wouldn't you know it, when they turn on the radio, they hear this announcement that you need to be on the lookout because there is a murderer at large. He was last seen in this area wearing such and such. And then a police investigator shows up and starts questioning all the people in the home who all seem to have something to hide. Now, This was directed with skill by a director of a play that I was in at the Hale Theater a number of years back. But it's a very funny production of The Mousetrap. The acting is stellar all across the board. The uh, costumes and production values are just quite impressive. You wouldn't expect this level of a production from a group of students, let's say. But it's I actually enjoyed it more than the other suspense theater production that I saw, which was Wait Until Dark. So if you had the opportunity, go and see The Mousetrap. If not at BYU, then look for it on video or so at other theaters near you. Enjoy the theater. Go out and get cultured, folks. Well, there you have it, folks. That's probably going to be the last of our Halloween talk. Sorry, Cole. But uh, that is going to do it for this episode of Screen Cleaning. Join us next week when we are going to be talking about remakes and whether or not there is a superior remake out there. Next week on Screen Cleaning.